Um, but a couple of weeks ago, we started on a new series talking about God's will for our lives. And we ascertained that God has a will for each and every one of our lives, that he has a plan and a purpose for us. So in our foundation scripture is Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, which says, and I know you can all quote it already completely in every single translation, okay? If not, it's up on the screen, hopefully. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed metamorphosized like a butterfly, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And last week, we looked at God's perfect will and his permissive will. Do you remember that? And um, we looked at the life of Moses. We looked at the life of Joseph. We looked at the life of the Apostle Paul. And we looked at the life of a current man serving all over the world, Bill Wilson, who um, has Metro Ministries. And, um, but God has a perfect will, and there's also the permissive will. But today, we're going to carry on. We're, going to carry, we're just going to dig a little deeper into, the, into a bit of last week's message. And um, so Philippians 3, verses 12 to 14. In fact, Chris read this earlier. I thought, you've stolen my message. <laughs> but Philippians 3, verses 12 to 14 says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected. Written by the Apostle Paul in his mid-60s. He died when he was in his mid-60s, about 65. So this is about two years before he died. And by, at the time that he wrote this, he'd been saved for about 15 years. So he'd, no, he'd been saved for half of his life, sorry. He was saved when he was 30-something, 30, 30 and he was now 60-something. So he'd been saved for half of his life. And yet he says, and you know what? I don't know if you, at the back of your Bible, in the back of every Bible, there's maps. And in the back of my Bible, if I go here, it shows me pictures and maps. Paul's missionary journeys. And there you can see first journey, second journey, third journey. At the back of most Bibles, you'll see Paul's missionary journeys. This guy, now there was no um, uh, easy jet. You know, when he went on his missionary journeys, it was by foot or on horseback or cart or whatever it was in those days. But he went on these missionary, and it wasn't easy. You know, there were no emails. He couldn't sort of say to them, listen, prepare a room for me, or Uber taxis. There were none of, none of those fancy things that we have nowadays. But he says, but one thing, so he did these missionary journeys. He's written two-thirds of the New Testament, and he's two years short of, of being martyred. And he says, not that I have already attained or already been perfected. He knew, even though he had a revelation of who God was, of who Jesus was, and yet he says, I haven't arrived. I haven't arrived. You know what, when someone says to me, I'm a mature believer, I think, ooh, ooh, that's a problem. If you're a mature believer, someone who has to say to somebody else that I'm a mature believer, eh, you've just given yourself away, love. No, I don't think so. But he says, not that I've uh, already attained or am already perfected. He says, but I press on but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. I press on. God's not finished with me yet. God's not finished with Paul. 
at 60-something years old. God's not finished with me yet. He says there's still work to be done. Let me tell you, if you are alive today and there's breath in your lungs, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. You, God has a plan for your life. And it's not over till it's over till your life, till you go to be with him in all eternity. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And it's up to us to press on, to press on. And then he goes on and he says, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Man, Christ Jesus laid hold of the apostle Paul. And he says, yes, Jesus has laid hold of me, but I want to lay hold of him. I'm going to press on into the purposes of God. You know what, family church, that's what we're going to do. We are pressing on. We are not going to lie down and act dead and act anything like that. We are pressing on into the purposes of God. This church is alive for the time in this place, for this season, for, for now. We are going to press on. We're going to lay hold. This was not just a good idea to plant this church in Waterlooville. It was a God idea. And there are people out here hundreds of thousands of people out here who do not know Jesus. They don't know the gospel. And we, are, we exist for those people. So we're going to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. In fact, let me give a plug. On the 31st of, De- of August, sorry, 31st of August, um, Soul Winner. Soul Winner online, watch it. If you're not sure how to, how to evangelize, Andy Elms is um, doing five weeks online a crash course, soul winner. So get get plugged in. But he says that I may lay hold of. That means take possession, grasp, seize, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has has laid hold of me. He says, brethren and sistren, I do not myself, I do not count myself to have apprehended. He says, but one thing I do, one thing I do. I haven't arrived, but there's one thing I do, forgetting that forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead are pressed towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So even in his 60s, God had a purpose and a plan for Paul. So how am I going to follow God's will for my life? How are you going to follow God's will for for, for your life? Forgetting the past and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. We cannot reach forward without letting go of the past. And we cannot, we can get this right, you can't forget those things which are behind without having something to hold on to. It's not like God just removes stuff and then he clears your memory. He doesn't do that. We've got to have something to hold on to. So we're going to press in to what God has for us. So how do we forget the past? By reaching forward to those things that are ahead. Now, we're going to go a little deep today. Okay, is that all right with everybody? We're going to go a little deep. All right. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 to 4. Hebrews chapter 10 says this, for the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with these same sacrifices, 
which they offer continually, year by year, make those who approach perfect. There's a lot of words in there, but I will break it down, okay. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshippers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. So just so that you know, he's talking here about the law. And he's saying the law having a shadow of things to come. In other words, it's like a dim preview. The the law, the Old Testament law, is a dim preview. It's a preview. It's a precursor of things to come, which is Jesus Christ. He says it's a shadow. It's an outline. It's not the actual thing. That's why we don't we don't adhere to the law. We don't do, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, the Ten Commandments and all the other laws that are in place. That is not what this life is about. Because, and what, what he says there as well is he says, sacrifices of the blood of bulls and goats were made continually. But that blood just covered their sin. It just covered their sin. And, and, you know what, with the, with the thought that every year they would have a Day of Atonement. They would have a Day of Atonement. And it's almost like, well, okay, so you celebrate the Day of Atonement, so my sins are going to be purged from me by the blood of bulls and goats. But now we start talking, oh, so what are we going to do next year for the Day of Atonement? Because we know that next year we're going to have another Day of Atonement. And the year after that. And the year after that. Why? Because the blood of bulls and goats just cover the sin. They just cover the sin. And when you start thinking along those lines, we become sin conscious. We become sin conscious. We don't become, like as we should as believers, righteousness conscious, declaring of God what God says about us, what God says about himself. No, we become sin conscious because we're aware that in a year's time, we've got to go back through the cycle and, they, and, they, and they, the priests are going to be offering the blood of bulls and goats again. It's, almost, it's this vicious circle. It's this vicious circle. But then we remember John the Baptist. He was baptizing in the River Jordan like last Sunday when we were down at Eastney Beach and Anne went under those waters. Yes. It was such a celebration. Oh man, Anne, it was a most amazing day. But John was baptizing the baptism of repentance. And what happened? Jesus appeared and John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus does not cover the sin. He takes it away. The Bible says that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sin from us. That makes me righteous. I'm righteous by by the blood of Jesus Christ, by faith in God, by faith in the finished work of Jesus, I am made righteous. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Why did I say all this? I'm glad you asked. I got totally carried away there. Man, this good stuff. This is good stuff. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 8 to 10. 
Now he, he goes on and he actually is quoting from Psalm 40. Go back to Psalm 40. We're not going to go there, but as a homework, go back and look at Psalm 40. He's quoting Psalm 40, which is a, it's a, it's, it's a quote from Jesus. It's all capitalized. You go back and look there. But anyway, in Hebrews 10, it says, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire. God did not desire them, nor had pleasure, pleasure in them which are offered according to the law. Then he said, then capital H, he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. By that will, by God's will, by Jesus following, delighting to do the Father's will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Look at those last three words. Once for all. Once for all. Man, this is good news. I am preaching myself literally happy here. Okay, okay. But we don't have to, we don't have to be sin conscious. We can become righteousness conscious that once for all, once for all, he's taken away our sin. You know what, there's a scripture in John 4 when Jesus sees this woman at the well and, and his disciples come back and say, you know, um, Jesus, um, why are you talking to this woman? Have you eaten? And Jesus says, I delight. My meat is to do the will of him who sent me. My meat, like, why are you calling it meat? Because it's my desire. It's, my, it, it's the thing that truly satisfies. God's will truly satisfies. God's will truly satisfies. So, and then you go further on in, in Hebrews 10, we're not going to look at it, but if you go a little bit further, it says, and the priests carry on day and night offering sacrifices. And what happened with Jesus? He, 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 he laid down his life at the cross, and he is now seated at the right hand of the Father from this excessive work stuff of offering sacrifices and sacrifices day and night, day and night, year in, year out, sin, sin, sin. Jesus, seated at the right hand of the Father, seated at the right hand of the Father, I delight to do your will. And he did it once for all. Man, what, how beautiful is this? How beautiful is God's word? But what God does the whole, I said all that, just to bring out one sentence, I'm sorry, but I couldn't help it, is that he, he takes away in order to establish. He takes away that law. Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. He takes away that, that, that blood that had to be, those, those bulls and goats, he takes it away in order to establish the new covenant, the new testament. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. So how do we forget the past? What's this got to do with take forgetting the past? We reach forward to those things which are ahead by taking away the old to establish the new. Okay, this is not some weird doctrine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain it. Look at, we're going to look at how God restores. We're going to look at how God redeems. We're going to look at how God delivers and rebuilds us. And he takes away the old in our lives and he brings the new. So we're going to look at Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 4. Is everybody still there? Still with me? 
As I said, well, praise God, that's one voice. <laughs> Thanks, Ronell. <laughs> Isaiah 61, this is the same scripture that Jesus, um, Jesus opened in Luke chapter 4 when he's in um, Nazareth and he opens up the, the scroll, remember? And Jesus says in, uh, in Luke 4, but in Isaiah 61, it says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. Now, here we go. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Can you see? God takes away to establish the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified, that God may be glorified. And then listen to this. And they, those people who've been set at liberty, those people who have received that garment of praise for the spirit of, of heaviness, those people, they shall rebuild the old ruins. You know what? You're not here for you. You're here for somebody else. Yeah. You're here for somebody else. There's somebody who's waiting at the end of your obedience. You're not here for you. You're here for somebody else. You shall rebuild the old ruins. You shall raise up the former desolations. You shall repair the ruined cities and the desolation of many generations. God's not saved us to become a bless me club. We're not going to become navel gazers. We are not a bless me club. God has called us with other people in mind. Yes, he does a work in our lives. I'll get to that. I'm getting ahead of myself. But he does a work in our lives that... Can, cannot ever be withdrawn. Can, you can't argue with it because it's our testimony. But here in Isaiah 61, that's a beautiful image of God's restoring work that he gives us that beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for, for mourning, the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. And he, and he uses those people to help, to build, to restore others. What a fantastic exchange. What an exchange. And all that's required is that we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. At that moment, at that moment, that's the exchange. We go from darkness to light. John, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Instead of death, he gives us life. Colossians 1.13, it's not, not, not going to go up on the screen, but we were translated from the power of darkness into the sun, the kingdom of the son of his love. You know what? It's like the red car. Everywhere I look in my Bible, I can't help but see it. Everywhere. I just see, there's another one, there's another one, there's another one. It's just constant. He takes away the first in order to establish. Ephesians 1, he says, in him, in Christ... We have redemption through his blood. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, we are redeemed. We are restored. We are brought back from death to life in Christ. He takes away in order to establish. We were once, there's a little list of things. 
We were once in darkness. We were once children of wrath. We were once sons of disobedience. This is what the Bible calls us. Before we got saved, we were dead in our sins. We were separated from God. We were alienated from the life of God. We were enemies of God. I know I was. I was an enemy of God. I was without hope and without God in this world. But Ephesians 1 says, in him we have redemption. We have redemption through his blood. So now by the blood of Jesus Christ, we are children of light. We are saints. Look at your neighbor and call him a saint or her a saint. You're saints. You're saints. Well done, saints. You're citizens of heaven. Sons and daughters of God. New creatures in Christ. Children of God. Heirs of God. Joint heirs with Christ. Come on. I mean, this is good news. The old has gone. The new has come. He takes away the old to establish the new. We cannot have, we cannot be holding on to the old and try and fit Jesus onto the ends of that old life. He takes away the old. We were in death. Now we're alive in Christ, in Jesus' name. Amen. God has taken away. He's taken away those disappointments. He's taken away those pains and that hurt from our past before adding to our future. We've got to have a hope. We've got to have a hope. I'm just going to go straight into a bit of my testimony. You know what? And I can say this with absolute confidence that I'm just going to share a bit of my testimony, just a little bit, just a smidgen, is that when I was 17, okay, there was some history in my, my, my upbringing, but when I was 17, I fell pregnant. And back in the day, it was, uh, it was a shame, it was horrific, it was the most shameful thing that any, it could happen to any woman. And I was 17 years old. My mother basically disowned me. She said, you we cannot live in this country with this shame. You're going to have to leave the country, in fact. She wanted to send me, we were in South Africa. She wanted to send me to England to live with my brother. And I thought, no, not my brother, please, because, you know, we didn't get on that well. And um, I thought, what kind of punishment is this? But, um, but anyway, but she said these words over my life. And she said, that's it, your life is over. You're never going to amount to anything. You're going to struggle for the rest of your life. This is it. You've made your bed, now lie in it, literally. You've made your bed, now lie in it. And for the next 15 years, I believed it. I believed every word she said. I, I, I gave birth to my daughter. I got married to the father of my child. And uh, three years later, we were divorced. So by the time I was 21, I was divorced with a three-year-old child. And... Um, and, and throughout, for the next, you know, for the next uh, 12 years, for a total of 15 years, I, I just carried this guilt, this shame. Um, I felt so ashamed. And my, my mother's words just reverberated throughout my mind, all throughout my life. And I thought, that's it. So I'm just going to work hard all my life, and this is my life. This is my lot in life. But God had better plans. So on the 15th of September, 1991, I went to a service. My daughter got water baptized, and I got saved. Darkness to light. God turned this 
upside down world of mine, right way up, I got born again. And it was like the scales came off and it was like, wow, suddenly things are different. And I tried to grasp as much truth as I possibly could in, the, in that first time while I was saved at the age of 30-something years old. And then one day somebody came to me and said, I just feel like I must give you the scripture. But I was still, even though I was born again, in my mind, what that meant was that one day I'm going to go to be with the Lord and my eternal destination is all secured, it's fine, I know I'm going to go be with the Lord when I die. But I didn't realize how he could impact my life now. And then one day somebody came to me and said, I just feel I need to give you the scripture. And they gave me Isaiah 54. And this is the scripture. And I'll just read it to you because it was just relevant to me. And, um, and it says in Isaiah 54, Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. And to me, I was divorced, so therefore, in my eyes, I was a widow. And, but you will not remember the reproach of your widowhood. For the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, like a youthful wife when you were refused. When I read that scripture, it's like the lights came on. That day, God spoke into my life. That day, and in fact, I took out my Bible. It was on the 23rd of February, 1993. I still had it written in my Bible the day someone gave it to me. On that particular day, he took away in order to establish. That was the day. Yes, he did it on the 15th of September, 1991, when I got saved. But almost two years later, I got a revelation that actually he's dealt with my shame, he's dealt with my sin, he's dealt with the disgrace, he's, he's dealt with it, it's dealt with. That's why I can stand here and I can give my testimony, I have no shame. What I did was wrong, what I did, and there are consequences to what I did. But the only difference was I got caught out. That was the only difference really. But God, what, what he did was he took away in order to establish he, he displaced and he replaced. He displaced my past and he replaced it with his word, with his word that brings so much hope. This is, this is what we have need of. You know what? Hope. The Bible says we've been born again to an ever-living hope. And in, in Psalm 31, he says, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. When we have hope, we have to have a future and a hope in order to let go of our past. We can't just have magic fairy dust over our memories. But in order to let go of the past, we've got to have something to hold on to. That day, that Isaiah 54 scripture became our hope. That was my hope, that God has called me, that I'm, I, I need not be ashamed, I need not be disgraced, that I need not remember the reproach of my widowhood, but he has a hope and a calling and a plan for my life. That's true for you and that's true for me. He takes away 
in order to establish. Isaiah 43, verses 18 to 19, Isaiah 43, says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So first of all, he says there, do not remember the former things. We've got a part to play. We've got a part to play. God's got his part and we've got our part. And we've got to, we've got to um, cooperate with God, partner with him. Stop reminding yourself of your past. Stop reminding yourself of your past. He takes away. But he takes away in order to establish. But sometimes he doesn't just take it away by taking it away. He takes away by adding. Does that make sense? Good, because I'm glad you does make sense to you. But he doesn't, in that scripture it says, I will make a road in the wilderness. He doesn't remove the wilderness. He makes a road in the wilderness. And he says, and I will make rivers in the desert. He doesn't remove the desert. He produces, he produces rivers. We sang that one song earlier today. The first time we've sung it today is that when I'm in the, I don't know the, I don't know the lyrics, but when I'm in the darkness, you are the sunrise. You know what? He doesn't just take away the darkness. He gives us the sunrise. He takes away, not by taking away, but by adding. It's like if you have a pool of water, if you have a pond, and you throw a pebble or a rock into a pond, what happens? It, it lands in the pond and it produces a ripple effect, doesn't it? It produces that ripple effect. And what's actually happening is that that rock takes place, takes its place in that pond, and it displaces, it displaces that water. And that's what God does. He doesn't remove the wilderness, but he, he produces a road. He displaces and replaces. And the same thing for us. He takes away in order to establish. And God displaces the power of our past. He takes that sting out of our past because that's the thing. We can't forget the past. You know what? I can try and for, not, don't think about it. You know, don't think about it and try and tell yourself, don't think about it. But you know what he does? He takes away that sting. He takes away that power. Our memories are powerful things. Our memories are powerful things. But he takes away the power of the past. How? With his presence and with his power, with his word. And we're gonna go into that next week about the importance of the word of God. He displaces and replaces. He takes away in order to make place, make room for the new. It's a bit like an hourglass. It's another example. I, I wanted to actually, you know what an hourglass is, hey, you know, when you play games and you have gotta go against the clock. So it's like that, it's an, like an hourglass. And the way I love, the, I love thinking about it this way is sometimes, you know, you put the hourglass to the one side when you're playing snakes and ladders or whichever game you use the hourglass for. And if you don't watch it, before long, that hourglass, all the sand has shifted from the top to the bottom without you even realizing. And I think this is the way God works. You know, sometimes we're looking for the big bang. We're looking for that, come on, God, 
you've got a breakthrough in my life now or else. You know, oh, well, <laughs> maybe nobody else does that. But yeah, I've, got, I've got to have a breakthrough. I've got to have a breakthrough. But God, he's like that hourglass. He's just working. He's working in the background. And so often, I would say the majority of my work, the majority of God's work in my life has been like that hourglass where he's, even though I don't see it, he's working. Even though I can't feel it, he's working. He never stops. He never stops working. And somebody ought to write a song with those lyrics in, hey, Johnny? <laughs> we were going to sing it today. But he never stops working. But he does it quietly. Do you know what I love about God? He's humble. Hey, the, the creator of the heavens and the earth is humble. He doesn't need the rah-rah. He's God. He doesn't have an inferiority complex or a superiority complex. He knows who he is. He doesn't always have to go, here I am, folks. Here I am. Be ready. No. Even when I can't see it, he's working. Most of the, most of the triumphs in your life, most of the issues in your life, God is working behind the scenes. And the fastest way you'll get victory in this life, get busy helping someone else. I tell you what, when I got saved, I was a mess. I was seeing a psychologist, I was on medication, I was severely depressed, you name it. And I don't recognize myself. But it, it wasn't a zap, it wasn't a, it wasn't a nah, breakthrough like that. It was a gradual process. And the more, do you know what I used to do? I used to go to these classes that I, would, I was learning about the Bible whatever classes they put on. And I'd sit there and I'd write page after page after page. And afterwards I'd go to my friend and I would recite page after page and teach her. Like I didn't even know the stuff for myself, but I was teaching her. And she was like, oh, that's wonderful, that's wonderful. But you know what, I soon forgot about myself. Somehow, God just did something in my life. Just get busy helping someone else and take, just, Put yourself in their shoes if you have to, but just help somebody else. God takes away by bringing in the new. He takes away by bringing in his good. God doesn't bring in bad. God doesn't bring evil into our lives. He brings in the good. Listen to this in Psalm 66. He says, we went through fire and through water, but you, God, brought us out to rich fulfillment. He didn't take us past the fire. He didn't, he didn't put the fire out. He, he took us through the fire. He took us through the water. And you brought us to rich fulfillment. <coughs> oh, sorry. So he gives us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So God does all that for us. But we've also got a part to play. We've got a part to play. You know what, God can come to us and say, here's a garment of praise. And we're like, okay, thanks. You've got to put it on, people. We've got to receive it. We've got to put it on. We've got to do something. We've got to receive whatever God has for us. Receive it. Acknowledge it. Receive it. I've lost myself in my notes, it doesn't matter. Let's look at Colossians 3. Just briefly, we're coming into land now. 
Colossians 3, verses 8 to 10. So, we've, so God's got a place, got a part to play, but we've also got a part to play. Colossians 3, verses 8 to 10, it says, But now you yourselves are to put off, put off these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off, take away, take away, take away to establish. Put off the old man and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him. You know, with that scripture that someone gave to me, that Isaiah 54 scripture, it was always there. I just didn't know it. You know what, we're not going to be responsible for what we don't know, but we will be responsible for what we do know. And we need to be doing what we do know. Not worry about what we don't know. But the Bible says, let us put off all of these things. Put them off. And then in Colossians 3, verses 12 to 14, it says, therefore, as the elect of God, I love this, holy and beloved. That's who you are. Look at your neighbor and say, holy and beloved. And beloved. And that's who you are. That's who you are. Holy, right? Holy and beloved by God. Sam, holy and beloved. And he says, put on, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness. Put these things on, these attributes. Put them on. Long-suffering, bearing with one another. And in verse 14 he says, and put above all these things, put on love. Put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Love is like your basic garment. You know, women, whenever they, they talk about these things, they say, you've got your little black dress. That's your basic garment, apparently. I, I don't have a little black dress, okay, but just saying. But let love be your basic garment. That's your basic garment that's needed. And wear Jesus well. Wear Jesus well. Put on. You know, and it's not a matter of we, these are do's and don'ts. Get so busy doing the do's that you won't have time for the, for the don'ts. That's the way it works, isn't it? So Philippians 3.16, we're going to end with this. <laughs> Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, this is Paul. So he's saying, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. So wherever you are, whatever God has done in your life, wherever you are right now, live now. Live in the now life. Live life in the now. <coughs> Sorry. There's beauty in the new. He's doing a new thing. And there's beauty in the now. Forget the former things. Forget the former things. Don't live in the past. Don't live in the past. Even the good. Remember, we spoke about it last week. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Forget about it. We can't rest on our laurels. There's work to be done. We can't just build monuments with all the good stuff. You know, we can learn. We can go through life and we can learn. But we need to stop, get away from the monuments. We love monuments, don't we? I mean, you go to London and there's just monuments everywhere. And we look at them and we look at these monuments and we think, oh, wow, no. Go, don't go back in your past and, and, and create a monument, even for the good stuff. Okay, 
but walk in the truth. Walk in the same manner that you've, that you've received Jesus. Walk in the same manner. We can't walk in the truth we don't know. We just walk in the truth we do know. But remember that God takes away in order to establish. He takes away the power of our past. He takes that sting out. He displaces and replaces like that pebble, like that, like that, like that, that rock in the water that displaces the water, uh, that displaces the water. So instead of rejection, he gives us acceptance. Instead of sadness, he gives us joy. Instead of toleration, he gives us celebration. Don't go where you're tolerated, go where you're celebrated. Instead of chaos, he gives us peace. Instead of guilt, forgiveness. Instead of death, life. Instead of abandonment, adoption. Instead of ashes, beauty. Let's just close in prayer.